Welcome to Front Desk Goddess Diaries. My name is Amy and I'm a personal practice coach for the Brady Group. Not only have I been in your shoes, but I have the privilege of working with dental practices across the globe. And you know what I've discovered? Everyone has the same challenges. I'm excited to share wisdom that I've gained from great dental practices just like yours. And today I get to speak with one of those great dental practices. In fact, I'll be talking with Mary, hygienist extraordinaire from All Seasons Dental in Boise, Idaho. Mary has played an instrumental role in helping the practice transition toward patient-centered systems. And as a result of her efforts, along with those of Dr. Alan Walker and the entire team, they've actually been able to work less while earning more income. And I'm not talking just about the doctor, but the entire crew has had an increase in revenue. Today, Mary is going to share her experience with the Brady Group Coaching and how listening to patients has made a significant difference. So Mary, tell us a little bit about yourself and what your career in hygiene, dental hygiene has looked like. So I grew up in Eastern Oregon on a farm where most of my family still lives. I have a really large extended family with 31 nieces and nephews. Oh my word. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of them, but they are some of my most favorite people in the whole world. My nieces and nephews are. And I have a cute little dog. His name is Mac, who actually gets to come to work every day with me, which is super unique and fun. Yes, I've seen Mac on Zoom, so that is fun. Uh, I have been in dentistry since high school. I worked for a local, a couple of local dentists growing up, and then and through that time, I worked front office, the tiny tiny little bit of assisting, and one summer during my college years, I even painted the office. Oh, wow. Um, And then I have been a hygienist for over 18 years. The last 12 and a half years, I have been at All Seasons Dental, which is my current office, and Mm -hmm. have been a member of the Brady Group for 12 of those those years. Oh, wow. Time flies when you're having fun, right? It does. (laughs) It's been a while. Awesome. So what was your initial thought when um, your doctor decided to join the Brady group? When my doctor decided to join the Brady group, I was relatively new to the practice at that time and was still kind of getting my feet under me. So I wasn't sure if he was someone who had tried other things like this. And so I just didn't really know what to think. And I personally had never worked with a consulting group before. But I remember one of my coworkers saying that she didn't think we'd end up sticking with it, that it was probably just like a phase. And then a different coworker (laughs) saying that he seemed pretty serious about it and that she thought, no, I think like we're going to be in this and we're going to do it. And as it turned out, we jumped in with both feet and have never looked back. Okay. That has been a huge blessing. Okay. It is. Anytime there's change, it's, it's a little disconcerting. And so it's, um, I think it's always funny when people say this is just a phase. I remember the doctor I worked for, we would say, you know, it's just, it's, it's just an idea. We hold our breath for about two weeks. It'll go away. And right. 
<laughs> but 12 and a half years later, we're, we're still hanging out. Yeah. Uh, so as a hygienist, um, obviously you were fairly new to um, All Seasons Dental and it was, uh, you know, not like it, you'd been there for 12 years and then here, you know, new chapter. What at that point, um, or kind of as we've talked about systems over the years and different things uh, to incorporate, not just as a hygienist, but even in the office as a whole, what, what do you feel personally was the most difficult thing for you to change or, or transition? I think one of the most tricky things for me as a hygienist was when you first get your patients and have the initial meeting is not jumping straight into clinical diagnosis. Hmm. It's um, what our schooling trains us to do and what some of our patients expect of us. And so it took me a while for it to become and feel normal or like my second nature to start my appointments and my interactions with patients with getting to know them, know what they're looking for from us, what their expectations are. And what's most important to them. Okay. Um, once I did that, I felt like they totally changed relationships with patients, but it did take a little while to get there. Okay. So how have patients just, you know, in general, since you made that transition to involving them more in, in the process, how have patients responded? Often patients, when you first start asking questions, they might give you an odd look like, this is different, or even say to you, I've never been asked that before. (laughs) But when I pause and wait for them to give an answer beyond that, they always um, come up with something relative, relevant to their situation, and by the end of our time together, they always have good things to say. Like, I have never felt like someone has listened this much to, to me, or I really appreciate <laughs> you asking this, or we get more information than we ever would have otherwise. They enjoy being in charge of what's going on with their mouth. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I um, I know dental practice. I work experience. It's hard once you start asking those questions. It's almost like you know that pause. We we interpret sometimes as oh I've done something wrong. They don't like this, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and really it's just oh wow this is different. And they're just processing. Right. Um, so, well, one of the things, and you and I talked about this a little bit. But one of the things that. Um, is difficult, I think, from a clinical standpoint, not just for hygienists, but also doctors and sometimes assistants is, is just to shift the mindset from sort of a pathology centered or education centered system. Um, you know, the way that you've been trained in hygiene school, uh, to more of a patient centered kind of uh, mindset. And I hear a lot of questions, you know, questions I hear frequently over the years, that um, are pretty common concerns, and I totally get it with with hygienists specifically. 
And I'm going to share some of these with you. And if you'll share your perspective, we can discuss some kind of tell me how you you might respond. But uh, sometimes we talk about, you know, it starts with a phone call when we start asking questions. And one of the things that we traditionally ask on the phone or maybe in the new patient paperwork is when was the last time you saw a dentist or when was the last time you had your teeth cleaned? And um, as I talk about that, you know, particular question and nixing that from <laughs> from our new patient uh, flow or protocol, uh, sometimes I get resistance. It's, well, gosh, we need to know when their last cleaning was. We have to know that before I see them. Uh, tell me your thoughts on, on that. And maybe you felt the same way. I don't know. Well, being 12 years down the road, working with you and Dr. Brady, I feel like for me, that question is very irrelevant because regardless of when the last time is they've had their teeth cleaned, we're going to still be treating them. They want a cleaning. That's why they're scheduled with us, number one. Mm -hmm. And if they need or desire further treatment beyond what a regular profi would be, we're going to do that diagnosing while they're there that day. Okay. And being able to discuss it. So, and we all know we've seen patients who've tell may mention they've had their teeth cleaned recently and yet we see periodontal problems. Right. So did that really even help us knowing they had their teeth cleaned six months ago? No, because <laughs> we may be recommending something very different. Right. So, and then you also get those patients who are embarrassed, like, oh, it's been a long time. And by us bringing it up further, we're adding to that shame or sense of guilt they have. And that's not helpful for anyone either. Right. Right. And we wonder why people don't like to go to the dentist. <laughs> <So>. Right. <laughs> well, and I guess along the same lines with, as that question um, is uh, the do you floss question. <laughs> yes. And as you, as you know, we kind of we, we want to nix that question early on. Um, what uh, I mean, and I'm just asking you because I just, yeah, I'm not a hygienist, but I'm assuming you could tell by looking in their mouth whether or not they floss. Oh, certainly. And <laughs> you, you have those very few, you know, they, that don't floss and it looks like they do. I'm lucky them. Right. But most people you can tell right away. And even without you asking, a lot of people are say, Oh, I don't floss or, Oh, I did really good for a month after I saw you last time. And so they, you know, I guess beat up on themselves or educate or, you know, lecture themselves. I don't, <laughs> I don't need to do that because I, and I just try to be their cheerleader saying, oh, I'm so glad that you did better than you did last time. Or, you know, that's why you see me today. So you can jump back on that, you know, trying mm -hmm. to make, keep it light and friendly versus them feeling once again, bad about themselves or like I'm, yeah, I love that. I think that's great. Um, and yeah, there's progress. And like you said, people are going to be harder on themselves. And it, they're, I'm guessing they were probably even trying to preempt that, that, that question. <laughs> you right. know, like, I'm telling you right now, you know, and uh, 
So um, anyway, awesome. So one of the other things that uh, I think happens, as you know, when we start talking about a patient-centered system and communicating different with patients, um, you know, instead of trying to fit them into our box, you know, here's Mm -hmm. what we do, you know, a new patient, for example. Well, with all new patients, uh, we're going mouse set of x-rays and we're going to do a thorough exam and we're going to do a perio charting and yeah oral cancer screening blah 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 um what we suggest is that we customize that plan based on what the patient wants to accomplish and you know this mary but we're going to end up in the same place we're right. still going to be doing those same we're allowing the patient to be part of the process and so you know, uh, sometimes I'll, you know, as I'm talking with a team, really in general, we, we talk about asking permission versus telling them, here's what we're going to do. And, um, you know, I was in a conversation last week with a hygienist and, and again, she's awesome. She does a phenomenal job, but just in overcoming some of these challenges, she uh, was, you know, not feeling very good about that, uh, that concept of asking the patient's permission, you know, and saying, based on what you shared with me today, it sounds like x-rays would be a great idea. Is it okay if we do that? She said, oh, I, I can't do that. You know, that goes against everything I've learned. It's not upholding this, the standard that I committed to, which is, um, you know, providing this certain standard of, of care. So tell me your thoughts on that idea and in, in really that whole situation. I kind of have a twofold thought process on this. I do ask patients for permission. And honestly, the only ones who say no are the ones that preemptively would have said it anyways. Like the ones who would have come in and said, I don't want x-rays today you know, that is, you know, their first statement of the situation. I have never had someone that we've asked lots of questions to formulate what they're looking for, say no when I ask permission. Okay. Almost always they say, of course we can take those. Or yeah, those would be super helpful so we can find out more about, you know, whatever they've stated as far as going on with their mouth and it's really up to them as far as what they're looking for. Um, It's one of those I do understand from clinical diagnosis and from, you know, our responsibility as far as being able to treat them that can get to be a sticky situation sure if someone repeatedly has refused radiographs but often that in those cases it's there's information we haven't found out that right. you know maybe they're going through cancer treatment or receiving lots of radiation so six months down the road we can do that or you know they've aren't quite understanding and need a little more information from us or, you know, there's lots of circumstances that we just need to find out. But once you find that out, like I said, I've never had someone refuse when I've asked permission for it. Okay. 
All right, good. Um, so is there a benefit from your point of view and asking permission versus telling them, here's what we're going to do today? I think all of us like to be asked versus told. Mm-hmm. We all like to feel like we're in charge and we have a choice in the matter. It's just like moms with little kids, if you're asking them to do something or asking them what they want to wear versus telling them they're going to wear a certain something. (laughs) Um, Even if you just give them two options of outfit choices, that's going to go over typically way better than you just saying, no, you're putting these pants on today. Um, And I think the same is true with our patients, even though it's a, seems like a foolish thing to ask permission for um, to some people. It just lets them know one more thing that they're in control of when they're in our office, they get to choose and that they're um, get to drive the whole treatment from beginning to end with their dental work. And I think um, that's, thank you for that, that perspective. I, I think some people feel like they are, um, just giving up and letting the patients run the show and that it's going to have a negative effect or outcome. Mm-hmm. And uh, it sounds like you've had more patients, I guess, if we want to call it compliance, whatever, um, I guess, that are receptive than if we just go about it the way we used to. Right. For okay. sure, I would say that. So another thing that, you know, as we start to um, incorporate, uh, you know, more of a patient-centered system, one of the things that, you know, we um, feel is, is super helpful in that process are taking photos and, and giving mm-hmm. patients photos of their mouth and being able to compare and see, um, you know, their mouth in comparison to a, another patient in our practice that, that we're able to help. And so if we're taking photos and giving them to the patient and we're asking questions and we're finding out what they want and, um, you know, doing those types of things sometimes, uh, and you, again, share your perspective here, it's common for us to feel like, oh my gosh, so I have to do everything I do with a new patient already. And then I need to pile these things on top, like taking pictures and asking more questions and et cetera. And they feel like they need more time than maybe they traditionally have with a new patient. What, what's been your experience with that? I, so part of that depends on when, like how long you've been doing it. Just like with anything, you do get more practice and it flows better. And so that does, you know, after a while, you, things go quick, more quickly. But even in the beginning, as you're doing this, especially with these new patients, our ultimate goal is to have them come back for a planning appointment. So as that happens, you're saving however much time the doctor typically used for an exam, Mm -hmm. whether, and that would vary greatly depending on your doctor and his liking to talk, but... uh, (laughs) Um, but I would say at least a good 10 minutes, you know, waiting for the doctor to come in and then the time he's in his room. Okay. So that will save you some time and also dependent on what you see when you get in there, you know, you're not, 
going to be starting any sort of periodontal treatment that day that also can save you time. And honestly, once you learn how to take photos, it doesn't add hardly any time to your routine. Okay. And the same thing with questions as far as added time, it does, but it shouldn't take that that long. You know, I think we say five to 10 minutes maybe for that hygiene initial questioning. And then something I do a lot of is as I'm taking photos, as I'm taking their x-rays, and even while I'm doing their cleaning, you ask more questions. So it's not just an initial like, oh, I got to get through all these questions and then I can move on to my typical routine. It's more a way of how you converse and interact with your patient that just continues throughout the whole appointment. You're continuing to gather more information from them. Okay. And I'm sure, you know, picking up on information that was gathered over the phone by the front. And Mm -hmm. I guess that that builds on each other, um, which can help too. What you mentioned, um, you know, if we talk about that conversation, you know, we're, we're already talking to the patient, you know, you're already having discussion with them and and talking. And many times, um, you know, hygienists will say, well, we, you know, we've got OHI, we, you know, educate, we have to educate the patient, we have to do this and that and the other. And um, that's a, that's a huge component, uh, mm-hmm. you know, of any hygiene department is, is the education. And, um, you know, you know, our thoughts on that is we don't want to skip education. Certainly it just, it, we, we kind of change the order in which we do those things. So from your point of view, um, I guess, how much of a factor is education for the patient's decision-making as to whether or not they're going to schedule treatment? I would say education is very little component of whether they're going to schedule treatment. The education part, I think, solely comes from, or not solely, because they do, you know, there are points during treatment that we're going to explain situations and make sure that they have informed consent and all of those things that are really important. But in the actual, I'm going to move forward with treatment, very little. It's more about if you've figured out how they want their teeth to be long-term, how long they want their dental work to last, and... um not even necessarily their budget, but just those two things, you're going to know that they want to move forward with getting those broken teeth fixed, or they want to get rid of and prevent cavities. And so then you know how they're going to move forward. And they're going to do that regardless if they are educated on all the ins and outs of the process of it. Yeah, that, that's a hard thing to shift from and for a lot of people. And um, I love what you said, you know, patients just want to know, Hey, are you going to take care of me? How's this going to affect me financially? You know, how much time do I need to take off work? And and is it going to (laughs) hurt? I mean, this kind of seems like as far as, um, 
you know, and is, am I going to be happy with, with the end result? Um, yeah, being able, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, if anything, I think when we do fall back into our old ways and educate Mm -hmm. too much, we end up scaring patients and talking them out of treatment. We give Mm. them too much information and then they're overwhelmed. And then all of a sudden they need to think about things because they're, they, we've confused them. Okay. Yeah. We see that a lot. You know, if you confuse, you lose. (laughs) Somebody told me once and it is, it's, you know, we're talking in, in our frame of reference um, and we're, you know, have our, our heads in it all day, every day. And, uh, you know, patients have a different um, objective, you know, and it's, it's not, you know, the more we know, oh yeah, sign me up, let's get them all done. It's, it's um, about, you know, a, a lot of that also having to do with our connection with them. I mean, are right. you finding that, that, um, you know, I mean, how much does relationship come into play when, when it, uh, this is involved? Oh, relationship comes into play a ton, especially with patients who have had bad experiences in the past or have dental anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there may be stuff that they want to do. I just had a patient last week who really wants to have her front six teeth on the top, um, redone with some cosmetic work but she has a lot of dental anxiety and therefore it's taken years for her to trust and build a relationship with us Hmm. to be ready to do that interesting yeah that's um yeah fear based fear patients anxiety patients and do you suppose that in some cases, we confuse or we think, gosh, if they just had more information, if we could just, ed- they could just see things the way we do, they'll, they'll move forward. But that's not true for patients with fear, anxiety, et cetera. I mean, right. Is that what you guys are experiencing too? I would say Pretty for much. sure there's going to be a select few, kind of the engineers, they want to <laughs> know the details. But no one else, like we think dental work is cool and the processes of how we do things are cool. Most people, it just confuses them or grosses them out. And they just, they don't want to (laughs) know. Exactly. Exactly. So backing up a little bit, yeah, you mentioned you having a new patient come in and you clean their teeth. What if they have perio? Because that's a really big concern and rightly so. and, And question that a lot of hygienists um, have when it comes to bringing a new patient in, you know, from how do we schedule to, well, we need to gather all the information or, you know what, we're just not even going to clean teeth on the first visit. Um, So tell me how you guys approach that type, type of a situation. So, so much of that is patient dependent. There's Mm -hmm. lots of different ways to approach that. You know, if you have a new patient come in who you can tell their radiographs, like for sure they need to come back for periodontal treatment and they're really sensitive, you don't need, we approach it that we're going to treatment plan that scaling root planing and not even probe that day because they're just going to be sensitive and it's going to be really uncomfortable. And so we just um, 
planet and if they are coming back if they have a desire for other treatment want to come back for a planning appointment my doctor will just incorporate that scaling root planning into their overall plan that they come back to discuss Okay. You know, once in a while you have someone who just needs scaling and root planing. They have nice, healthy teeth, but there's nothing more going on that they want to accomplish. And with that, we just do a very basic, like, hey, there's some stuff going on. The support of your gums and bone isn't great. Um, and, you know, go into that a little bit and get them scheduled back to to get started on that and then do a lot more education when they're back Okay, for that actual treatment. We once in a while we'll have someone who wants like just the stuff off around their lower front teeth or they feel mm-hmm. like there's some stain on the upper front ones and we'll just clean that off and we just don't bill for anything that day okay um just it just depends on what they are looking for and in most cases they are just fine to come back and don't have you know don't get mad or upset okay about the situation well and you know i um the fact that you said that tells me that you guys are, are really listening to your patients and asking the right questions because that's not the case in every office. Sometimes they're like, what? You can't clean my teeth today? That's what I wanted. Why am I having to come back? And so, yeah, that's just testimony to the fact that you guys are, are doing a really nice job of giving your patients the ownership and allowing them to be part of the process, um, which is great. So what, uh, if we look at just the all seasons dental, you know, as, as a whole now, um, you know, I know 12 years is a long time and again, <laughs> yeah. you, you didn't have a lot of, I guess, uh, basis, you know, for before Brady group versus after, but, um, you know, if you had to kind of rewind the videotape, uh, 12 years and then, you know, look at the last, uh, handful of years, what would you suppose is the biggest or the most significant difference in how you guys uh, function? I would say each year you get a little better. And I'd say the most significant difference that I've noticed is as a team, the amount of cross training everyone has that everyone can pretty much step in to any other role and fulfill that role. I know how to, schedule appointments and collect money and answer the phone. I also know how to set up rooms for the doctor and um, almost every procedure he does. And likewise, our front desk gal, she's amazing. She Mm -hmm. knows how to set up rooms and she knows how to do most of the end of the day stuff in the back and comes back regularly, if not every day to help us with that. And I think that's a huge change and very unique. Yes. And that teamwork has really helped us to succeed because everyone has each other's backs. 
Excellent. I love that. And, you know, what you just said, everybody has each other's backs. And when we're showing up and we're just trying to do our job, uh, mm-hmm. it just, you've run into bottlenecks and there's just all kinds of things that, that get in the way. And uh, so that, that's a game changer for sure. Mm-hmm. Was there a point just again, as a hygienist in your role in the office where um, whether it was, you know, a long time ago or here you know, recently where you had a, significant kind of a, a light bulb minute, you know, where, um, something just, uh, resonated with you so well in terms of the changes in this whole patient centered system, any aha moments you want to share? I think for me, it was not necessarily like a moment, but probably over, oh, I would say maybe like a few years into it, up to five years into doing Brady Group, at that point, I've, and that feels like a long time, right? Mm-hmm, like, right. it takes a long time to feel like things are flowing. And I think my aha moments where I finally f- would leave or end a new patient interaction and didn't have to think really hard about what I was going to ask. Mm-hmm, right. How I was going to do things. I was like, okay, this is working. Like I can ask them questions and they're open-ended and I just know what to ask next. Okay. And that instead of being like a light bulb, a light switch, I would, um, it was more like a dimmer switch. Okay. Slowly <laughs> turn to brighter is how I feel like it happened for me more. Like it was just continuing to practice our role plays every week help a lot in our Mm. meetings. And as you do it more like, and then all of a sudden it's happening and it's working and you're like, Oh, this is so good. And then it's easy. Yes. And I love, I'm so glad you brought that up because, I think some people will, well, we go to a Brady event and we practice or we, you know, get on Zoom with Amy every couple of weeks and we practice, but there's nothing in between. And and I know you guys do that. And I absolutely love that and feel that that's a huge part of the, um, you know, how you guys have succeeded is uh, you practice, you, you practice. And if we don't practice, we're probably not going to do it in real life. And right. uh, I think that's awesome. Right. So right. Uh, what kind of benefits, we kind of talked about how the practice has changed, but as a, as you know, a hygienist to so the hygiene department, what kind of benefits do you feel like you've personally gained through the changes that you've made, um, these changes we talked about? Our hygiene department in particular is, like we have a very... I don't know if steady is the right word, but a very full and consistent Mm -hmm. hygiene department. And I think a lot of that is due to our interactions with patients. Okay. Our patients like to come back because they feel valued and they feel heard. And consequently, we don't, have no shows we Mm. very rarely have empty hygiene hours um which i know can be a struggle it's hard when you know you look back over your cycle or your month and you had two days of empty hygiene hours 
that gets to be really frustrating. Right. And we don't see that as much because our patients want to come in. They like, not that they like, you know, every moment of getting their teeth cleaned, but they value their appointments. And uh, I think that that has been a, a good change in the hygiene department as a whole. And we can track that progress um, over the years. I know, I mean, we still have one day left in January when we're recording this, but so far we've only had two empty hours the whole month. Wow. Running double hygiene. Okay. Um, just as, as an example of, of where we're at as far as that goes. All right. So yeah, you guys have done a, a great job of creating a culture where patients want to be there. And right. like you said, value your time and you don't have to worry about, you know, filling, uh, um, anyway, that's, that's awesome. I love it. Yeah. And what? And, oh, oh and I was going to say, I think the other thing is you don't feel like you're having to force or, or coerce or talk people into things, talk them into treatment or, uh, scaling root planing or whatever that might be, because, we, we do, you know, we let them know what diagnostically is going on, but then they lead from there. Okay. And so then it's their choice and the pressure isn't on you and you don't have to feel guilty if they, whatever they decide to do, because it's their decision. You've handed that power over to them. And I think that frees you up to you know, worry about yourself and what you're, what's going on with you versus carrying responsibility for other people. Certainly. Yes. And that's something we could probably spend a couple of days talking about yeah. <laughs> as far as, as turning that over to the patient and, and how, what a difference that can make. Cause it's so contrary to what we've all been brought up with in dentistry. And, um, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty freeing for sure. Um, so one last question, Mary, mm -hmm. what, um, yeah, just knowing what you've experienced over the last 12 years uh, for any new hygienists, not, not new hygienists, maybe they've been practicing for quite some time, but for hygienists who are fairly new to the Brady group and they're hearing these concepts and their systems and they're thinking, oh my gosh, this is a huge change. I don't know how I feel about this. What's one piece of advice that you want to give people in that situation? I, I'm trying to choose between two. So uh, I will let hear them both. <laughs> My first one is no matter how much you hate it, do your role plays because that will help so much. No one likes to role play, but it will help you as get into the groove of things. But mm -hmm. just reserve some time every week and do it. Okay. And my second piece of advice would be to listen, listen most especially to your patients, because as you listen to them, they will tell you what question you should ask next. Are you on the verge of burnout? Is stress ruining your love for dentistry? Are you working too hard for the money you're bringing home? 
If you're ready to kick the Sunday night blues to the curb, join us in Las Vegas, April 26th through 28th for our flagship event, Mission Possible Case Acceptance Super Conference. For more information and to register, click the link in the show notes.